Well, how many of you can remember the good old days at the middle school? And one summer when there was no air conditioning whatsoever. So we do have some air conditioning this morning. It's just not functioning exactly as we would hope that it is. But that will be a reminder to us to be grateful. Now we come to 8 o'clock on the clock this morning, justification. So let's take a little time of review. At 1 o'clock we had creation. 2 o'clock we got in on the act with sin and Adam as our representative. At 3 o'clock we had the incarnation. 4 o'clock the atonement. 5 o'clock the resurrection. That validated everything that Christ did and said in the atonement. And then at 6 o'clock God's call His general call through the gospel to everyone is effectual call to some. And then last week we had God's response to, uh, we had conversion, which is our response to what God was doing in regeneration of our hearts. And then this week we go back to what God is doing with justification. Now this doctrine is under assault in our day. And we probably need to take three or four Sundays to talk about the doctrine of justification. This is the important one. You remember that we stated at the beginning of our course that if you are Methodist, or you are Baptist, or you are Presbyterian, or you're Pentecostal, or any Protestant denomination, you have come through the gateway of the Reformation. Not everyone would believe today what the Reformers believed and fought for, But we want to go back today to see exactly what was going on then and why the problem. Because we have a tendency to say, well, we're all on the same path here and we all love Jesus and it's all going to be okay. But here was a guy who had some genuine problems, a dilemma. Martin Luther was an Augustinian monk and he was doing his best to please the Lord. He sat in his cell and he read his Bible. He prayed. He fasted. He did good deeds. He did everything that he knew of to do. And yet he wondered the same question that Job had. How can a man be just before God? How can that be? How do you know when your guilt is removed. Now, there's something different from other religions. We have a means by which our guilt is taken care of. Our guilt is removed. I don't know of that in any other religion except through man's effort. But you never quite know when you've done enough to get rid of your guilt to stand before a holy God. So Martin Luther is wondering... And he is struggling. What can be done so that I might know that I have done enough? Now, he was operating within a system. And we want to take a look at that religious system, not because we are anti-Catholic, but because we are positively Protestant. And that's the only way we can feel the tension of what Martin Luther was feeling in his day. So let's take a quick look. This would be the doctrinal system under which Martin Luther was functioning. Here is the lost state. Man in his natural condition doesn't understand the things of the Spirit of God. But here is the 
beginning. Excuse me, the justified state would be the goal to which we are moving and how are we going to get there? This would be the beginning baptism. Here is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It says in paragraph 2020, Justification has been merited for us by the passion of Christ. It is granted to us through baptism. Now there's more to that. The grace of the Holy Spirit confers upon us the righteousness of God, unifying us, uniting us by faith and baptism to the passion and resurrection of Christ. The Spirit makes us sharers in His life. So baptismal regeneration would be the beginning point. And if there is imminent danger of a baby's death, that baby has to be baptized, has to be baptized into the church. Now, here is one of the problems as we're moving along toward the justified state. Through faith and works, according to the original righteousness that has been infused into you at baptism, you can do some good works that are going to merit the merit of Christ. It's Christ's grace that begins this in you, but then you can add to it unless you get into some sin along the way. And then you have to go back to the beginning to start over, back to the lost state. Now those are only certain sins. During this process, as you make a mistake or maybe rebel against God or do it on purpose or whatever, and you go back to the beginning, there is a way that you can begin again. And that is through the sacrament of penance. And then you start over again through faith and works. So we want to take a look and see then the second problem that we come to, the obstacle that is before we get there, you don't get all of this sin removed unless maybe you're a saint and you've done enough good works for yourself and for everyone else, but you would go to purgatory. And there you would pay by pain to have the rest of the sin removed before you could come into the presence of a holy God in the justified state. So in a sense... You sanctify yourself in order that you might be justified. Here's what the Catechism says. No one can merit the initial grace of forgiveness and justification at the beginning of conversion, but moved by the Holy Spirit and by charity, love, we can then merit for ourselves and others the grace needed for our justification. Now, this is going to be very different from what we have said with regard to the Reformation. Do you remember the five solas? Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone, by Christ's finished work alone, salvation by grace alone, and justification by faith alone. Again, going back to the Roman Catholic Catechism, paragraph 2019, Justification includes remission of sins, sanctification, and renewal of the inner man. Well, we would say that justification does not include sanctification. 
Those are two very different things. Justification is something that God does, and it takes place at his tribunal of justice there in heaven, and it's where he marks our records not guilty. And not only not guilty, but righteous. Now, that's the system that Martin Luther's thoughts were running in. And so we can see the tension. How do you know when you've done enough penance? How do you know when you've had enough faith and good works? And how can you avoid spending time in purgatory before you come to the justified state? In Martin Luther's day, indulgences were sold so that you could help others, some of your relatives who had already died, you could help them to get out of purgatory. Martin Luther thought this is very wrong. And of course, it was a wrong basis for the doctrine, I believe, according to Scripture. But then there were men with wrong motives. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that all the Reformers were perfect, certainly. But this would be the doctrine, the key doctrine, at which we would move away from the teaching of the church at that time the Roman Catholic Church. Here's what Martin Luther had to say about that. Whoever departs from the article of justification does not know God and is an idolater. For when this article has been taken away, nothing remains but error, hypocrisy, godlessness, and idolatry. Now, you can see that he felt pretty strongly about what he was saying. The devil caught me by surprise a few times when I had lost sight of this chief article. He tortured me so badly with passages of Scripture that heaven and earth became too small for me as he was reading in the Scripture. Be ye therefore holy, even as I am holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And he wondered, how will I ever attain to this perfect holiness? It's one thing to be pushing in that direction, but how do I get to this perfect holiness that God requires? Then human works and laws seem to be all right. Therefore, dear brother, do not be proud or too sure and certain that you know Christ well. Now you are standing, but see to it that you do not fall. Paul's warning there from 1 Corinthians. Now what he's saying is if you're doing all of these things according to what the church has said that you should do, then you want to be careful that you have that confidence that Everything is okay in God's sight. And the reason for that is the testimony of Christ to the Pharisees. They are ones who were doing everything in the New Testament that they knew how to do. And they added a few things that God didn't even require in the Old Testament. In fact, they added many things. And yet Christ told them, you are sons of your father, the devil. Now that's pretty serious. If a non-believer, an unbeliever is a child of the devil, then we've got to figure out how to get this guy over into a different family. And that's exactly what we're going to do in this doctrine of justification this morning. Let's take a review of our condition. When Adam sinned, what effect did that cause for mankind? Now, some parts of it would be more pronounced in some people than in others, and yet we're all affected by sin. Sin pollutes every part of our being. It not only pollutes, it controls us. We're under the control of sin. The New Testament talks about bondage. 
we are rendered guilty before a holy God because of our sin. And we are subject to wrath. So if that's our condition, what is God's judgment upon that condition? Now we'll look at some principles here. And the first one is going to be the principle behind God's judgment, Romans 2.6. God will give to each person according to what he has done. Now, does that mean that some people would go to hell and some people just barely escape, but they would go to heaven because of what they have done? No, I don't think he's talking about that. Jesus shed some light on that in Luke 12. And he says, And that servant who knew the Master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Evidently, there are degrees of punishment in hell. In the next verse, But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Well, whether we like it or not, we have been given much. And we ought to rejoice in that because we know what the Bible says. And we understand what it says. There's the principle behind God's judgment, exact retribution. Now, we don't see that always on earth, but we serve a righteous judge who will one day make all things right. That day is coming when God will settle his account. Now we look at the standard of God's judgment, Galatians 3.19. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions. God's law is the standard of judgment, and no one has ever lived up to that standard except one, the Holy One. There is evidence to be brought forth in this trial. Romans 2.16, this will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ. What is the evidence that God will use? Men's secrets. I know a lot of things about myself that you don't know. Everyone could say that. We've all had thoughts and intentions and even deeds that were just not right that perhaps no one else ever knew about. But God knows, and that convicts us. Even if we break His law at one point, we are guilty before Him. So here's the verdict, Romans 3.10, a quote from Psalm 14, as it is written, There is no one righteous, not even one. No one righteous in his own right. That's the verdict. But then the sentence... The law brings wrath, we see in Romans 4.15. We are under God's wrath. But, justification. Now we've said we do not participate in justification. Justification is the judicial act of God where by His free grace He justly pardons all of our sin imputes our guilt to Christ and Christ's righteousness to us. And he accepts us as righteous in his sight and declares us not guilty. And this is received by faith alone. Now, how can that be and how do we know? Well, let's consider our problem. We had a guilt problem. Not everybody feels their guilt. Some people have seared their consciences, but we're talking about legal guilt before a holy God. 
Psalm 38, 4, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And sometimes in life people are going along and they say, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know what it is. I just can't understand what's happening to me. I think I'm going into the midlife crisis or depression or this or that. Well, it may be guilt because guilt is a heavy burden to bear. But God has a solution. Isaiah 53. He, the Father, God the Father, shall see the suffering of His soul, Christ, and shall be satisfied. His righteous legal judgment shall be satisfied. By His knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for He will bear their iniquities. There is God's solution. And what a tremendous solution that is. So, here we are on the one side, and we're covered with that orange circle. We stand guilty before a holy God. Here is the cross of Christ on the other side. We don't want to put Christ on that cross because He's not on the cross, but you can imagine Him there. But His righteousness, the blue, surrounds Him. Now watch what happens. Christ is righteous. Our guilt is transferred to Christ. How about that? Now some people believe it stops right there. Your sins are forgiven. Christ died so that your sins can be forgiven. That's all there is to it. If that's all there is to it, that just takes you back to where Adam was. And then you kind of start over on your own. And you have to merit your own grace and salvation, what God is going to give you. Certainly He gets you started, but then He, then you've got to work so that you merit the merit of Christ. But it's not just that. We had not only a guilt problem, but a righteousness problem. Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, not even one. So, we're guilty, and we have no righteousness. Now, here comes a little problem. We've got to be very careful of this. 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is not a problem, but I'll tell you what the problem is. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This is imputation, and this is the solution to the problem, and here's the problem. Proverbs 17.15, He who justifies the wicked and condemns the righteous, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. God justifies the ungodly. Is that an abomination? Well, it is if you just sweep it under the rug. That would be Islam. Allah says, not guilty. But in this case, we're not sweeping it under the rug. It is the imputation of our guilt to Christ, the righteous one. And then we're going to see what happens next as He does something in our lives that would complete this process of justification. Now, here's the thing. In justification, I am not changed. My standing is changed legally before the law. I'm still the same person. 
Oh, I may have a little better resolve, and certainly I have the Spirit of Christ living in me, and I have a means now to live this life that He called me to live, but I'm basically the same person. Listen to Luke 7.29. All the people that heard Him and the publicans justified God being baptized with the baptism of John. All the people that heard Jesus justified God. They didn't change God. He's still the holy perfect, changeless God, but the word there means that they saw God differently. They now praise Him. They now exalt Him for what He's doing. Here's another. Acts 13.39 And by Him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Well, all the people didn't just change into perfect people all at once when they heard the gospel, but they were justified. And this word, justification, in the New Testament, in many, many verses, means that something was imputed to your account. If you have an account down at the bank and someone wants to give you some money, they can go down there and write a check and credit that to your account. And that's what we're talking about with justification. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was credited to him as righteousness. It didn't mean that Abraham became a perfect person. We know he lied about his wife being his sister and other things along the way. Uh, with uh, We mentioned with Hagar and then uh, Ishmael. That was not God's way. But Abraham was counted as righteous because he believed, because of his faith. So we're seeing that this is not an arbitrary action by God. He is declaring us righteous because of what he has done here with Christ. And here it is. Now Christ has our guilt upon him. But here comes the rest of that verse. He's sending his righteousness over to us that we might be holy, that we might be just before God. God made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It is an action that takes place at a point in time after our conversion, and there we are, declared holy before a holy God. Justification changes our relationship to God, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Why is there no condemnation? Because God has declared them righteous. And He didn't just say, hey, all this sin, I'll just forget about it, it'll be okay. See, some people say, well, just as if I never sinned. Well, that's okay if you want to say that, but that's not exactly right because I did sin. And my sin sent Christ to the cross. And Christ had to die for my sin. And now you might say my guilt is just as if I never sinned because my standing is not guilty before Him. Those sins may have caused some things in my life, like cirrhosis of the liver, that God is not just going to come in and take care of. There may be some consequences of my sin, as there were with King David. But there's not the ultimate consequence of my sin, which is hell. And God is a merciful God, and He removes many of the consequences of our sin. 
So here was our old relationship, and we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, Ephesians 2. But now we have a new relationship, Romans 5, 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Now, this is pretty good as well. We are moved from children of wrath to something else. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights as sons. How about that? We're moved from being in the devil's family, children of wrath, to adoption as children of God. God graciously takes us into his family, even though we were not a part of it. Adoption is not justification. Adoption is not regeneration. Adoption is adoption. We're taken from one family, moved into another family, and we are given some rights that we will see. So here's Christ, suffer the little children to come unto me. And of course, we, as children of God, are adopted into his family. That's all over the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament as well, but it's clarified when we get the New Testament. Galatians 3, 23 and 25 and 26. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ. We were prisoners. We were children of the devil. But now we are sons of God. That means there was deliverance from the past. We don't have to go back and say, well, look at all the things that I did. Why did I do that? Well, why did this happen? We're delivered from all of that. Praise the Lord. And then something else, Romans 8:15. For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We have a new way of life in the present. And that new way of life is free from fear. We don't have to be in fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. But not only that, there's more. Romans 8.23 Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, the fulfillment, the completion of what God is going to be doing. New hope for the future. So what do you get? You get a loving Heavenly Father. You get a new home. You get a new family, new brothers and sisters. Christ is your brother now, according to the New Testament. You get peace of mind. You get a new nature. One day you get a new body. You get an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. You get a blank check. Because he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. All of these are given to us, many, in the book of John. And we could probably name some other things that would be a part of our adoption. Now let's quickly look at the puzzle of justification. And I think this would help us, based on 
what Martin Luther discovered, that the just shall live by faith in the book of Romans, and some other things through the hundreds of years since then, since 15, the 1500s, this would help us just to put it together in a neat package, the first part of the puzzle, the piece. Romans 3.24 And are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Grace came by Christ Jesus. Grace is the basis of our justification. You could say in a sense that we are saved by works. Did you hear that? Christ works. Not my works. We are saved by Christ works. Christ kept the law perfectly. Then Christ died on the cross in my place. Here's number two. Romans 5, 9. Since we have now been justified by His blood, so the means that God uses would be blood. Some people don't want a bloody religion. That's just not popular in our day. And yet, the Scripture says we are justified by His blood. Finally, Martin Luther began to see Romans 5, 1. It's in many places. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, and then in Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So the instrument that God uses is faith. Now, we don't want to say faith in my faith. Oh, yes, I accepted Christ on such and such a date back in such and such a year. Well, that's pretty good. But don't place your confidence in that. Place your confidence in Christ and the work that He's doing in your life. If we had a heart surgeon who was going in to do a heart transplant, he would take a scalpel to open up the chest cavity. Probably have a little saw and some various things now. But that scalpel is an instrument that can't do anything by itself. It's just lying there. But when the surgeon takes it and begins to work, begins to work, he can perform some good things for the person who is suffering from heart disease. Well, God takes that instrument of faith and performs some good things for us. Faith is a gift, we've seen. So it's not something that I conjure up, and yet when I see my need then I hold up the empty hands of faith. Well, let's go further. Number four, James 2.24. You see that a person is justified by what he does. What are we going to say about that? Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, we couldn't do any good works before we were Christians, Oh, it might look pretty good, but God says there's none righteous. None of that counts with Him. But after we become a Christian, we can do some good works that God has prepared. So we might say salvation is by faith alone. But it's not by faith that remains alone. Because if you have genuine saving faith, some fruit is going to issue out of your life. And it will be good works. So we have then a picture 
Oh, there would be works, which would be the evidence of our salvation. Now, be careful, because we want to tie this together to be sure that we have it correct according as we would see it in the Scripture. There we see the nail-pierced hand, big drop of blood, an empty hand, and some gifts. The basis of justification is God's grace. The means of justification is Christ's blood. The instrument of justification is our faith, and the evidence of justification would be our works. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The good works don't turn on the light. The good works are evident by the light. Repentance, or we should say regeneration and repentance are gifts, but then we exercise those gifts and we lift up the empty hands, the instrument, to God in faith. And God fills those hands. And we are pronounced justified. And then we go about doing the good works that God has designed beforehand for us to do. Now we close with a question. Here's the guilt of sin. In fact, two questions. Here's the guilt of sin the power of sin, and the pollution of sin. What does justification absolutely remove? The guilt of sin. We do have a new power, but now we're going to have to exercise that power as we go about sanctification, the putting off of the old self, the being renewed in our minds, the putting on of the new self. That pollution of sin is still with us. We've said many times, I have on my white robe, I'm justified. But if you look under my robe, you might see some meanness, some selfishness, some arneriness, is that a word? And a few other things that are under there that you don't see on the outside. But I'm covered. I'm covered with the righteousness of Christ. So we see in Romans 5.1 that we have been justified. Now, therefore, since you have been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. Let me ask you this morning in closing, do you have peace with God? Do you have that real peace that carries you through all of the challenges of life? i tell you when you can determine if your peace is real peace or if it's not genuine peace. That's when something big hits your life. Some struggle, some problem, some question, some dilemma that you find yourself in that you had nothing to do with and can't do anything about, then it's not to say that we're not concerned and we don't weep and we don't cry out to the Lord. But then when we do what He has designed for us to do, then do we have that peace that passes all understanding because we know we're in right standing with a kind and loving Heavenly Father that works all things after the counsel of His will and has promised that all things will work together for our good. Those who love Him, those who are called 
according to His purpose. Is God speaking through your heart this morning? Is God calling you? Is God turning up the temperature so that you can uh, get the vision there that there are a lot of lost people out there that are bound for hell that if we don't give them the gospel, they may not get it because we may be the means that are appointed for that. Well, if you don't have that peace, come to Christ as I pray and just acknowledge your sin simply and that He has died for your sin, that He's willing to take away that sin, put it upon Himself, and take His righteousness and put it upon you at a moment of time, right now, anytime. Sometimes it may look kind of like a process for us and we don't know exactly when it happened, but at some point God says, no longer guilty, righteous. And if that's the time for you right now, then you pray silently in your heart as I would pray. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I even thank you for the heat in this sanctuary because it reminds me of a lot of Sundays in the middle school. And those days in which uh, we were filled with hope that one day we might be in a sanctuary, but it didn't seem to be moving very fast back in those days. So we thank you that we're here this morning. And Lord, we thank you that we have a Bible and that there have been those who have struggled with some of these problems to give us a better understanding of what the Bible originally said. We pray, Lord, that we would base our beliefs on the Scripture and that we would not be sidetracked as life goes along so that we come up with that which is not in the Scripture or that we add to what is in the Scripture. Thank you for salvation through faith. You are saving us through the instrument of faith. And thank you that it's based upon your grace for us, sovereign grace. And Lord, we thank you for calling us out of darkness and into your light. I pray if there's someone here today who would be struggling with peace, maybe this would be the time to get that uh, renewed or to get that uh, nailed down originally to know that, uh, yes, I am justified. I am beginning on this journey of sanctification in which I will become more like Christ. Lord, thank you that your Holy Spirit gives us the power to do what we know we ought to do. And I pray your Spirit would be moving right now in our hearts to show us commitments that we need to make, to show us changes in our lives that need to come, things of which we need to repent, and to show us the great gratitude that we should have for what you have done for us. And we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.